This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm your host Chris Hambling and with me are Cara, Skipper, Nick Gillard and Mike Scott. And today we look back at a match that was not only a trip to Bermondsey, but a trip back in time as South London Minnows Millwall reminded us all of their humanity. A poor first half and a terrible error by Jack Butland meant Palace were trailing at half-time, but Michael Elise inspired a second-half turnaround, which saw Palace win 2-1 without ever getting out of first gear. Uh, but anyway, um, hi everyone. Um, yeah, I'm, my brain is fried. Uh, I adopted a rescue dog on Friday, and um, it's uh, it's like having a a sort of angry furry child, I believe, <laughs> uh, from what people tell me about having children. And um, what is it, male or female age? No, uh, female six should be seven fairly soon. Um, oh, okay, but um, I, I, I talk about this bit with real passion. She has the record for most volunteers bitten at our rescue. Uh, she's a real Sweet. incredible performer in that respect. Um, but yeah, she is, uh, she is a challenge, um, but, but a lot of fun. And, um, from, from yeah. what you've said in the past, it sounds like she's actually adopted you, Chris. I think it's yeah. that way round. Yeah, pretty much. I didn't, I don't really have a choice in, in the matter. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, she's, um, yeah, she's a, she's a real character. All right. And her and the cat are getting along famously. So, um, yeah. Right, can you can you do me a favour and just wear a cricket box because I don't want to hear some <laughs> some some testicle related injury next week. Yeah, um, I mean it's um, yeah oh, yeah it's it, it, it's an, one of all number of possibilities that come out, could come as a result of this. But it is fun. It's fun to watch uh, a cat that is an inside cat um, and has been for the entire year of its uh, of his life. Let's give him his correct um, pronoun. He is a cat called Bruce, and um, it's fun to watch him um, attack uh, a, a you know fairly um, volatile big dog, uh, you know, by batting its tail. I just I just don't understand what's happening there and why he thinks it's a good idea repeatedly. But it but it is fun to watch. He's braver than I am. So are they, are they in turf wars at the moment then? Yeah, there's a kind of upstairs downstairs thing going on, and not not like the the thing that you remember. There was a dog just then. That was fun. Um, but yeah, uh, it's um, yeah yeah cat upstairs, dog downstairs. But you know, cat feels like the whole house is his, and um, just likes to push some boundaries. So good fun in my household. How about everybody else? I better start with you, Mike. How are you getting on? Yeah, all right. Um, I was at Millwall yesterday, and uh, there was a fair amount of cat fighting involved there as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good. Excellent stuff. Cara, you were also there. I saw uh, the pictures with the wonderful Mike Scott. You should feel privileged, I'm sure. Yes, no, it was a, it was an honour. Um, <laughs> no, it was fun. It was good. It was a tense at moments, but to be fair, it was kind of, there was no real, uh, no real bother, I don't think. Nothing much exciting to report outside of the football for once which is probably a good a good thing it is it is a good thing and you know a trip to Millwall is always you know 
entertaining in many ways. And um, it's been a while, so I'm glad you got to experience that. And uh, and also, hi, Nick. How are you doing? Hello, yeah. I wouldn't call it entertaining. Uh, I did meet Mike briefly in the toilets before the game. And I was going to tweet about it, but then thought that might give the homophobes some ammunition um, from the Millwall lot. So, yeah. Um, talking about cats and indoors, uh, our producer, Sam, is her birthday tomorrow or on the day of release of this pod. So happy birthday, Sam. But she's having a child. I'm just wondering, will it be an indoor child? <laughs> she's very catty, you... isn't she? I really, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to the turf wars between the baby and the baby and the cats, where there'll be mm. any tail batting going on going on there. Yeah. Well, isn't, isn't this a football pod? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But, but aren't animals and, and other things fun? Uh, I, I, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Um, yeah, happy birthday, Sam. <laughs> yeah. And um, yes, and I hope your child is less problematic than my dog. Um, but she's wonderful. I'm sorry. I take it back. Right. Um, but we will come back to your, to your comment, Nick, because obviously I think before we talk about the game, it's really important we talk about some of the, the, uh, you know, the kind of backwards behavior that went on um, and, and needs attention drawn to it. And, you know, pleasingly, you know, I think, Palace fans and, and the club in general has has shown itself to be a a club that um, you know is is willing to shine the light on things that aren't acceptable and the kind of racism and, and homophobia seen at, at Millwall. Um, you know, and we'll talk about what that was like and 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 what form it took and why people think it's acceptable and the kind of things that have been going on on, on social media and from some quarters trying to defend it which is insanity to me but we'll certainly get into that um you know in, in a little while because it's important as i say to shine a light on these things but before we do um obviously some news this week um so mike i think you've you've put these together i think the only game to talk about was the under 18s who um who pushed really hard but drew nil nil with norwich yeah it's still a, it's still a really quiet week it still feels like everyone's sort of on a break and the ridiculous this time between games. Um, I think the under 23 is like a month. Um, so they, they've got Everton this coming Monday away, but yeah, so you're right on, on the down low really, because there was much more, uh, high profile games happening at the same time. But, um, Saturday, same day as the Millwall game under 18s due nil nil with Norwich. Um, this wasn't a great result because they are sitting rock bottom of the league. And it was only their fourth point, of the season. Um, you know, Palace, Palace are fourth. There's still six points behind Leicester. Um, there's, you know, they can, they're not, they're not too far behind, but I, I think they'll be disappointed with that. And then the, the women, their game was, um, postponed. So the next game is, is away at Durham. I think it's in the cup. Again, uh, really not enough games recently for us to talk too much about it. So probably leave it there. Indeed. Um, obviously beat Durham, uh, fairly recently, the women, didn't they? And, um, but you know they're still a very good side and above Palace, as I think you've said in our notes there. But yeah, we'll um, we'll look forward to some of those games um, kicking off in the not too distant future. We can talk about a lot more because you know really good seasons for the twenty threes, the eighteens, and the women so far. And uh, long may that continue. So I think we'll have to we have to start um, you know and, and talk about what what happened. Obviously, we know in terms of the game, two one victory for Palace. I think it's fair to say. You know, first half was was absolutely terrible. Second half was was better for maybe twenty minutes, but it was twenty minutes of quality that we that we needed to win it. And um, and and other than that, it was um, it wasn't the best game of football. And we perhaps gave a little bit more time, space, and, and impetus to Mill than we really should have done with a team of that low quality. But whatever low quality was uh, was on the pitch, off the pitch, even more low quality. Um, you know, I, I watched it at home um, on the on ITV, and I was only slightly less offended um, by Dean Ashton's commentary than I was the Millwall um, chance. But it was, it was a pretty, pretty close run, run thing. He was so poor, but and, and incredibly biased. And, and him and Clive Tildesley criticising Michael Elise for gesturing to the crowd after having a bottle thrown at him really, you know, was the icing on the cake of complete ignorance and. and, and wound me up something rotten and, it, and it's everything that's wrong with with what happens uh when a, when a club like Millwall are allowed to 
sort of have this reputation, have this this attitude and not have it challenged and everyone to say, oh, it's football, it's not a sterile environment, it's Millwall, Millwall are like this. It's, it's not acceptable you know we we took that piss out of them not you know many years ago now with with that banner that the hf put out you know which was fantastic um you know and they're still doing it they still haven't grown up and you're looking in the crowd and i think you know mike car and nick you'll you'll tell me this for sure but you look around the crowd and you've got kids learning that kind of behavior from their from their parents and it's frankly soul destroying that we're in 2022 and having to to witness this stuff. So from the ground, um, you know, and, and Cara, uh, Nick, actually put your hand up first, then Cara, you know, you've, you've experienced different things and you would have, have your views on it. So Nick, let's just hear from you first. I thought it was going to be bad, but it was fucking awful, Chris. There, there, were, there were babes in arms whose young mothers were teaching them how to flick the middle finger or do wanky gestures. And, eight-year-olds doing it, and then men in their 60s, just at the end of the game, there was one bloke, he looked like he was doing Rupert Bear cosplay, to be fair. He was dressed so strangely. <laughs> so I was trying to get over the wall and come on, come on, we'll meet you outside. But when we did get outside, we didn't actually see anybody, but we were locked in for a very, very long time. And look, Millwall, if you're going to have a lock-in, keep the bars open. Indeed, indeed. Make a bit of money. Mm. I did see a picture of that guy you talked about being dressed as Rupert Bear. That's um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good observation. But it's tragic, you know. These these people have been, you know, perpetrating this attitude for a very long time. Uh, Cara, yeah, it was um, so it was my first ever Millwall game. Um, obviously we haven't played them in a long time, and uh, when I was younger, I was never allowed to go. Um. With obviously, as we've discussed before, my parents being Charlton fans, so even though they're not Palace fans, having the experience of uh, facing off. But so I think I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it did shock me actually. I think it was pr- pretty much what I expected from Millwall. But I do think we have to be really careful about the way that we talk about it, and I think we have to be really careful that we don't pretend that it doesn't also happen everywhere else, um, and mm. that you know we don't have fans that do this stuff as well, because I think the way that it does change is taking action but it's going to have to come from us it's going to have to come from us within our own stands and it's going to have to come from Millwall within their own stands to deal with it so I think we do just need to be a little bit careful of 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 kind of thinking that you know we're playing Brighton on Friday and there will inevitably be Palace fans that are going to be just as homophobic as the Millwall fans that we saw um yes uh yesterday uh you know we saw it at Leeds with Leeds fans um and and that game was a rainbow laces game um and yet there were homophobic chants there um you know our crowd at palace is nowhere near as diverse as it should be bearing in mind the kind of um uh the population that that the club is supposed to represent um so it was really bad and Millwall should be should you know um that the, the the football association need to do far, far, far more. Stop putting kind of slogans all over the place and using kind of marketing and branding to make themselves look good and actually take some action. And I think all the time that it's left down to clubs to take that action in terms of lifetime bans and whatever, it's not going to happen because that's their in- uh, income stream, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just, I wanted to kind of, I think we, we should talk about it and we should go into it and we should talk about it in terms of what happened yesterday. But I do think we, we really need to be careful about thinking that, Millwall is the kind of the only place that it happens um no exactly I think you know and and whether it's true or not it feels it does feel like with with Millwall and some other clubs you know um that that is it's worn as a badge of honor almost at times isn't it um but but that you're right you know we can't be holier than thou and then go to to Brighton on Friday and chant a homophobic chance there. And as you say, undoubtedly that will happen. And, um, you know, it's a really good point that you made and it, and it completely stole my thunder as well, but I did at least get to say holier than thou, which I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> it's a good uh, phrase. You, you didn't use that phrase, so I got to use it. So thank you for that. Uh, Mike, you want to weigh in on this? Yeah, I think the main difference is I've seen people call out on the stairs in the Homestale if somebody's singing the Brighton 3-1 song, I've seen people uh, call it out. And people, it, it's not, it, either people were afraid to call stuff out at Millwall or it's such a culture that it's not called out because that is their identity. And until they change that, 
Um, they're going to get, you know, we're going to get the same thing. We're going to be kettled by the police for an hour and a half. Um, and it, it is quite depressing. And to be honest, puts me off going back again, just because you don't want to spend an hour and a half getting out of a toss-ass ground, do you, really? I mean, it, it, and it's all thoroughly preventable. The, the club sort of had this this little sign-up, say, and Cara picked it up, saying, text this number if you see hatred. It's just like, well, that's ridiculous. Well, maybe text the number if you don't see hatred. But, you know, before before the game started, they told us we took it up the arse. Um, they then chanted the usual chant to Conor Gallagher. They then told us we were all rent boys. So I also want it to be seen from people that were on, you know, on the TV and heard the boom for the knee. It was as homophobic as it was racist. Um, and I just, I just don't understand how anything's going to change there unless the whole club you know, rather than their Twitter handle saying a club like no other, the, the, the club themselves need to do something. They need to start engaging in a new identity because they're playing into the hands of these fans. And yeah, they just, there's no other club like it. it, 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 it there's no way you go. I mean, Brighton away can be a bit tense and then people take the piss afterwards, but it genuinely was pretty nasty there yesterday. And, and obviously we had to be kept in. Um, that's just just not how football should be in 2022. No, and you know, I think Leeds are the only club I would compare it to in my experiences of going Millwall away, which I've done many, many times. And you know, I've always felt, you know, it's not like there's an undercurrent of, of edge to it. You know, it's oh, there's direct threat. You know, and it is to a degree. There's an element, there's a percentage of it that's sort of pantomime. But you know, you're right. They, you know, they they released a message today on their, their social media saying something along the lines of, you know, we'll investigate and anyone found guilty of, of you know... Well, I, I, can, I can read it directly. I've got it in yeah. front of me. Millwall have released a statement, this is from Sky Sports, confirming that they intend to launch an investigation following the match. Millwall Football Club, this is a quote directly, has a zero tolerance policy against all forms of discrimination and will investigate any incident of alleged abuse accordingly. As in the club policy, any individual found guilty of discriminatory abuse is issued with an immediate lifetime ban. Well, they're going to have, apparently in Cameroon, yeah, exactly. In Cameroon, you can go to the games in AFCON if you've been double vaxxed. 2% of the population has been. This is going to be a similar thing. It's just, the zero tolerance thing really, really, really gets under my skin because it is, again, like football is run by people who just use this kind of stuff as a marketing and a branding tool. And we saw it We saw it with the, the kind of um, uh, the black, when Black Lives Matter um, stuff kind of really kicked off. Um, I've lost track of my years. Was it 2020 that we had the summer of the, the protests and, and all of that kind of stuff? And, you know, there was a real feeling of hope that it kicking off as much as it did and and there being so much kind of public and public resistance across the world really would actually push some kind of change and all we've got is like a a kind of capitalist response in let's put black lives matter on everything but let's not take any actual action so let's all sit there and watch michael lise get abused and then like you said chris when he then responds in he didn't he didn't do anything apart from wave at them. Like, didn't tell them to fuck off like he could have done. He didn't stop and refuse to play until they were dealt with, which he could have done. All he did was wave at them. And then you get the commentators saying, oh, that's not very advisable. What do you want the kid to do? He's a 19-year-old kid that's having to hear God knows what that we didn't have to hear, get bottles thrown at him, all of that kind of stuff. And then you get Millwall coming out saying they've got a zero tolerance policy. It's absolutely ridiculous. When, uh, in the 80s, I lived in Bracknell and uh, nobody supported Reading when, when I lived there because they were so pants. So everybody had their favourite sort of first division or second division team and all the knobby wankers supported Millwall. That's all I can say. And it hasn't changed since. Mm. Um, it, it's still, you know, we're going to name all games too much. Let's talk about the game. But it's, yeah. it, it, they need to, I, I don't know what they can do, but, but stop people going to the games for a season. I don't know what else you can do. I really don't. No, exactly. Just well, ultimately, it's it's you know, as Cara was saying, it's it's about action, isn't it? And that's, but you know, we we do we we have that that caveat in all of this that we we must, 
you know, not lose sight of how much work we still have to do as a club. You know, we've come a long, long way, I think, because, you know, when I first started going to every game, which isn't really that long ago, you know, which, which you know, I know many of you are going to a lot more games than I am at the moment for, you know, for, for good reason, but it's, you know, it's still, it's still frustrating for me not to get to as many games as I want to. But anyway, um, you know, seeing, you know, seeing the, the constant sort of, incessant amount of abuse and, and the, the culture of abuse, you know, that it's, it's okay in an environment um, that's football because, you know, it's a working class game. It's, it's, you know, it's this, it's that, you know, that it's okay to do these things. It's okay to hate people for, you know, their sexuality. It's okay to hate people for, you know, their, their ethnicity. It's okay to help hate, hate on people for, you know, disabilities and things like that, stuff like that, you know, the things that get said, you just think, you know, you wouldn't do that in any other environment. And if you did, it wouldn't be long before someone, you know, before there were consequences to it. So it just it's seems so odd to me. Can I, sorry, just jump in really, really quickly. One one thing that I think we as Palace need to really look at ourselves very hard and take some action as well is still the 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 huge amount of misogyny that goes on in the stands um and you know we can it is obviously brilliant that so much uh progress has happened in terms of not hearing as much racism and not being as homophobic as other clubs it's not good enough but the amount of misogyny that is completely accepted in the sands that I listen to every week without anybody around me really blinking an eye um and it and it always having to be on like the women that are hearing it to call it out rather than anybody else like if if as Palace fans on Twitter or whatever else we're going to sit there and say, oh, Millwall needs to do this and these need to do this and blah, 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 you know, we don't ever talk about how much work we have to do to actually make it a, a safe place for women to come and be allowed to be fans of their own club. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very, very good point. You know, some of, yeah, it's, you know, the, well, as I say, the list is almost endless, isn't it? You know, in terms of the things that do need sorted out. and But it's just, you know, to me, I, I you know, absolutely right I'm, I'm glad you added that to it um you know but there's so much work to do to align the attitudes in football with societal attitudes which are you know still need a considerable upgrade so it's a, you know it's a real shame and i know this game has obviously brought it to to our focus and you know i'll just end by saying one of the things that i, that I saw come back was uh Millwall fans saying you know Similarly to what we've talked about, you should get your own house in order to a point, which is fine, which is fine and absolutely true. But to compare the um, chucking of a flare to racism and homophobia, you know, is you know, it's, it's apples and oranges and or, or worse, you know. Yeah. So, so Stephen Barton had written in and said, "Is it worse to throw a drink bottle or a lit flare on the field of play?" And and either of are either of these actions acceptable? There's a reason that I posted a video up yesterday. They were shouting "No noise" from the Ultra Boys when we were one nil down, mm. went two one up, and then we were shouting back "No noise" from the Racist Boys. And those those bottles were thrown because there was a black player that scored a goal. The flare the flares, to be honest, was quite enjoying it. There's not a racist element attached. Yes, you're not allowed to get them in, but if they've managed to smuggle them in and they haven't done their job at the door, I, I just don't think it's the same thing. I, I, I can't. I wouldn't have any problem with an away team put lighting a, a flare at Palace. No, look, these, those things happen. They're not supposed to happen. They do. You'll have your opinions on it, and you know, and and that's that really. But you know, they say it's not the same subject, and it just it was distressing to see. I know you, you know there's a degree of protect your own and all this kind of stuff and tribalism, but to see people, their response to be okay. Well, my my fellow supporters are being racist and homophobic. They're you know booing, taking the knee. They're they're calling Conor Gallagher this. They're calling the Palace fans that. Okay, but they threw a flare, so that's that's somehow okay. You know, it's um, it's very odd behaviour. Anyway, um, shall we? Uh, I think we we've said our part and. You know, if you do have any issues with what we say or you want anything to add, obviously you can get in touch with us, even though we don't have, you know, live interaction with the show on the podcasts. Um, you can still send us an email, hi at backofthenest.com. If you wanted to raise any points from anything that we've discussed today, um, you know, it's um, it's it's a topic that we're, I'm sure we'll come back to. So, um, so yeah, sorry, um, I, I, Nick, I, I think you've got, uh, a quote that you wanted to kind of end this with? 
Yeah, uh, Leif Anderson's forehead. Uh, hello, Mr. 50p head, Leif. Um, just tweeted in and said, did we just travel back to the 80s in a Spider-Man-like multiverse yesterday? What a strange, moronic bunch of bellends. I mean, first of all, I careful need to with it, that last line. No, no, but no spoilers. Yeah, Leif Anderson's forehead. Come yeah, on mate, now. Honestly, <laughs> some of us, some of us are high risk and can't go to a cinema and are waiting for it to come on to Disney Plus. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez, honestly, I haven't even seen Eternals yet. Right. Anyway, let's move swiftly on. Okay, uh, let's talk about the match. Um, there's not a tremendous amount to talk about in terms of, of you know, really the, the, the details of the game. It was. It was one of our poorest performances of the season overall, I felt. Although statistically, I think we did better than, than I thought we did. Um, but, you know, it's a really strong lineup. And, and you know, going to the game, um, you know, Mike, Nick, Carr, you go into the game, you're looking at Elisa has started, uh, you know, Eze has started, Gallagher has started. Um, okay, we don't have Wilf to add to that. Um, but we had, you know, Mateta up top, um, you know, in a midfield of uh, of, of Hughes and, and Schlupp with with Gallagher. You know, it was a strong side. Obviously, the change in goal, which I, I dare say we'll talk about. But, I mean, first and foremost, you know, and I'll start with you, Nick. Were you surprised at the strength? Or, I, I guess, you know, given the importance of beating Millwall, were you happy about it? I, I dare say you were. No, I'm not surprised at the strength because before the game and through the week, Vieira has been saying how much he values the cup competition and how much he wants to win silverware with Palace because we haven't really won it before and wants to do it for the fans. Um, the fact is, it was his opportunity to get players in and playing whilst our so-called elite players are out in the AFCON. So, no, no surprises at all. And it was good to see a couple of under-23s on the bench. I know we mentioned earlier they hadn't played for ages, so that's mm. good for them to get that experience. But, but no, if, if we want to progress... We've got to put the team out there. Yeah, absolutely right. But um, so, in terms of what Nick said there, and I'll ask you this, Cara: of the players that were missing, who do you think we missed most? Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know if we. Oh, this might be unpopular, but I don't know if we did miss any individual player most. I think what we missed in the first half is that we tried to play a very, very different way than what Patrick Vieira's Palace has been playing this season, and I think that just kind of nobody really it would look like nobody really had confidence in what they were doing or really knew what they were doing and we looked kind of slow as a result of it so I don't I think when you when you look at how the game went when we picked up the pace and we had that spell of playing really well we hadn't made any subs at that point I don't think so that that kind of spell of play that we had that was our best spell of play we had with the same people that we the, the same 11 that we started with so I I'm gonna controversially say I'm not sure we did massively missed well apart from Gator maybe um you know obviously um but kind of outfield players I don't think there was kind of a standout one player that we missed I think it was just the way that we were attempting to play in the first half just did not work at all I think it's a fair point you know there was there were definitely issues with the system um uh, but I think it was more a case of the kind of uh should we say the the execution from the players um I think when you see when you look at the you know, the central midfield in the first half, um, you know, Gallagher was, you know, all action, all energy as you expect. Um, but, you know, Hughes was a little out of sorts, I felt, uh, certainly in the first half, struggled to get on the ball. Um, and, and I thought Jeffrey Schlupp was completely lost in there and he picked up an early booking, which was ridiculous, quite frankly. Um, there's, there's no way he should have been booked. But I think, you know, once that kind of, fragility crept into the center of midfield they neither they neither screened nor uh nor joined the attack there was kind of it kind of did a nothing and it left Eze and Elise completely out of the game but you know it was actually them that changed it you know those two had to actually re- you know react to what was going on you know Eze needed to come central and, and did in the second half um and Elise just needed to to put some energy and he put some directness into his boots and that's what he did in the second half as well that's what I felt but I have to say first half I thought we missed Jordan are you but but anyway Mike he wanted to jump in yeah and you got to assume that the halftime team talk was akin to like Montgomery El Alamein because it was a it was, it was wholly <laughs> different um but yeah I just wanted to bring a couple of comments from people that wrote in so Tom Rado 
So he asked, do we feel Hughes and Gallagher work well together in central midfield or are they too similar? Um, and then if we're covering Mateta, um, this is from uh, Vinny, I believe. Uh, once again, Mateta took his goal well, but is he too slow? He can't get across the pitch quick enough for me. Um, I was going to bring up the pace of Mitchell as well because their number two did him a couple of times. Um, but yeah, maybe cover the midfield first. Yeah, I, th- I think in that... Um... So I, I don't really agree that Gallagher and Hughes are similar players, um, although I think Hughes is probably better technically than I realised. Um. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But I think it's, it's what's the role they're being asked to play, really. You know, I think when Gallagher's not there, you know, Hughes is probably asked to play a slightly different role than, than when Gallagher is there. Um, but Hughes, to me, is more of a, you know, someone who wants to control a bit of the tempo of a game, uh, get his foot on the ball, play some decent, you know, accurate short passes um, and, and keep us moving and, and dig in a little bit. Whereas Gallagher just wants to do absolutely everything. So, um, but I, I get the point Tom's making there, but I think they work really well together. I think the, the question is about the third player. You know, for me, Jeff's never a central midfielder. Love Jeffrey Schluck, great player, loads to add. And, and you know, for 10, 15 minutes here and there, filling in as a CM, you know, coming off the bench or something, no problem. But not, not a starting central midfielder for me because, you know, the too much of the game passes him by in in key moments. Um so that's what that's what I think about that. So I think with Kiate, um or MacArthur, um I think, you know, certainly that is a better midfield three. Carl, you were going to answer and then you've you've given up because I talked for too long, but was it, was it along those lines? <laughs> that's fine, yeah. No, I just wanted to highlight I think like when we look at especially Eze and Elise, like the the difference it made, and I think this does come into the the Hughes Gallagher comment as well is is the space right like all four of those players rely on having space and being able to create space in the first half that didn't happen and that's why I was really confused because Millwall didn't do anything that any of us wouldn't you know wouldn't have expected them to they they could just sit quite still really and just close that space and that stopped us from playing I think the the Gallagher um Hughes comment has maybe come from that first half where because we just didn't have a midfield we didn't we, we didn't have space to create anything so it looked like they were always kind of on top of each other but again I think that's because the system just wasn't working when that system switched in the second half and all of a sudden we were playing through that midfield a lot more the space is there and all of a sudden those four key players were playing in the way that we wanted to see them play so yeah I, I think that would be my answer to that Gallagher Hughes thing. I think it's just that they will fall on top of each other and look like they're trying to do the same job if we don't play in a system that that gives them the space to do what they need to do. Yeah, um, just a couple of things to pick up on. Uh, what, we, what we've got to realise is a, it was Millwall's Cup final. Now, if you look at the results on Sunday, um, lower league teams have gone ahead in all the games. They're, they're giving that little extra bit of effort. Um, so you, you, you're going to have that to face again. Uh, Mike mentioned uh, Vieira ranting and raving. I think it was Mitchell, actually, who said on the Palace website that Vieira was actually very, very calm at half-time and just explained the tactical changes that he wanted to make, which obviously worked immediately. Um, and Mike also mentioned Mateta taking his goal well but too slow. I did think that as well. But then you look at 
him scoring the goals, it reminds me a little bit of Darren Ambrose, who never used to do anything in games except score goals at important moments. I mean, can you remember Ambrose doing anything good other than scoring? No. And adding to the game? No. And I mean, that's he, what he's there for. Yeah, exactly. He, can, he, 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 he knows where the goal is. Yeah. That's what you want. No, he's a decent passer, but I know what you mean. You know, he he would be missing for long periods of games and then pop up with an absolute screamer or you know just a wonderful moment of magic, and that's what he was there to do. He was the luxury player and all that kind of stuff. So I get what you mean, but you know, with Mateta, I think the the thing with Mateta, and I actually like this about him, um, is that I think he just he just wants to. He's he's basically like the the kid who goal hanged at five aside, right? You know, he'd score five in a game and do absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> fudge all else because he'd be like what are you doing up there and he's like yeah I'm the striker mate I just stay up here and it, that that's is, what he does to a point that's pretty much what he said in his post-match interview as well <laughs> yeah, like, know, with, yeah. with the slight language barrier but every question he, he was asked about the goal he just kind of said yeah I did my job <laughs> he was like yeah, seemed a bit baffled that anyone would be surprised that he just kind of waited and, and got his goal yeah but I mean, that's what I say I, I love it because it, you know sometimes you, you're watching and you think oh why we've crossed the ball in there and we don't actually have anyone standing in there waiting for it. You know, we have, everyone's taking up clever angles or looking for a cutback. And he's just like, no, no, I'm going to go and stand in the six yard box in the center of the goal. You'll find me there, you know, and that, and that works. You know, he's, if you think about, you know, the goal against Brighton, his first goal for us, you know, the, the starting in the center of the penalty area, darting run off the, uh, off the inside, post and, and and a lovely finish you know that kind of stuff that's you you do need a player that can do that sometimes and i think if he had a bit more about him a bit more pace a bit more energy and a bit more kind of you know was a bit more up to the speed of the premier league and certainly needs a bit more quality in his hold up play i think he'd be a very very dangerous player and um you know i i think we've perhaps written him off as a club we're not going to play him enough to pay the full full money for him but he's a decent player in there i think mike the, the problem in the first half, or one of many problems, um, not least the fact that Mark Gaye seemed to be the only person who had the ball in our, for our team, but um, he just, his hold-up play, like you just mentioned, is just not up to it when we're under the cosh. And I think we've got maybe too used to Benteke. The expectation is that all strikers can do that and they absolutely can't. He certainly can't, um, but you're right. He's he's a proper goal hanger in the in the in the kind of respect that I was when I was about eleven, and I respect him for it. Uh, <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. Um, so look, there was a, there was a lot sort of covered there, and, a, and a, you know, we've had a lot of lot of comments in. I suppose we'll probably jump to a lot of those in a minute. But there's a few things I want to cover first. We do have to obviously talk about the the goal we conceded from Jack Butland's error. So I did. There's a lot of people on social media and even a couple of friends of mine were talking and saying things like, this is why we shouldn't muck around passing from the back. You know, let's just, just get it forward and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, for me, I just, I, you know, I wanted to urge a bit of caution on that and say, actually, you know, the way we have played out from the back is probably the first time it's really gone wrong for us. And it was avoidable, you know, because it's about understanding the, the kind of moment, if you like, that kind of the, the the moment for Butland to do something like that or try something like that was just not that moment. You know, there, there were enough players closing down. It's, it's a it's a cup game against one of our big rivals. You know, they haven't played in a while. They are so up for that game. You just put your foot through it. That's what you do right there. So he's had an absolute mare. And, you know, um, I think... Picking a comment from from Facebook from Richard Evans, he, you know, he was, who, who listened to the game on Five Live, and he said, "Yeah, Butler made a horrible mistake, but after seeing it on match in the day, it was obviously a bad moment and should have got rid of it." But he said, "Don't think it was entirely his fault. Couldn't pick it up because it was a back pass." And I suppose I'd need to watch it a few more times to 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 see whether I agree with that assessment. But I think you know the back pass situation is. It's not surprising to a to a goalkeeper, you know, that he's going to need to use his feet, especially in in, in a Patrick Vieira side playing the way we play. You know, the keepers have got to be good with their feet, and, and Butland ultimately made a mistake, which he's held his hands up and acknowledged. And um, you know, luckily it didn't cost us. Uh, I'm not sure who was first out of Nick and Cara, so fight. It was Nick. Nick go first. Yes, um, it was good to see a bit of good old fashioned banging your fist on the ground after the mistake, though. <laughs> 
which uh, I always love to see, <laughs> mainly by the opposition keeper. Look, the fact is, yes, he, he should have lobbed it. Your, your friends who were complaining about us playing it out from the back too much, the whole point of that is to draw the opposition towards you so that you can get the ball to Leif Anderson, who can then make the long pinpoint pass to the player that's stuck off down the wing a little bit. That's what did we're trying mean, to do. We're, did you mean to say Leif Anderson there? Because that's a very different Anderson. Um, if, Leif Anderson is probably some 70s pop idol, isn't it? Uh, look, if, if I don't get a name wrong once once a show, then, then you know I'm ill. So let's sure. just leave me at that. Um <laughs> Anderson, anyway, yeah, for him to lump it out. Um, so yeah, we we can see what we do. It the moment the moment Butland got the ball, everybody around me knew that Millwall were going to score. We knew he was in trouble from the moment he received it, so we weren't surprised. But you know, up until the end of the second half, that's the only time that Millwall looked like they were going to score anyway. So you know, got to give them a goal, make them feel like they've got a chance. Yeah, all right. It was generosity. There you go, Cara. <laughs> yeah, we're still in the Christmas giving spirit, I think. Um, but no, I. So I do think. Listen, he 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 messed up. There, there's no way of 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 getting around it once it was at his feet. But what today I spent probably far too long trying to give him excuses because I watched it backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards and tried to watch it from like where did that play start? And I don't I don't think it actually this error didn't come from us playing out from the back. This error came from Millwall pushed us all the way to the back. It started that it was our throwing that went forwards and then we got pushed all the way back. And I actually think our defence just didn't really know what to what to do. I think Anderson and, and, and Tyrant Mitchell were kind of just standing around a little bit. And if it's easy, isn't it, to watch it a million times and then like try and pick up on small little things. But it looked to me like Butland kind of looked to see if he could pass it across the goal to Joel Ward, who was, you know, that would have been great if he'd had a bit of time. But then a phobie's sprinting towards him and really, really quickly closes off that angle. And I think he's then just left with this ball at his feet that he can't pick up. He can't get it through the gap back to any of the players that are actually close to him without passing it across goal. And he just kind of panics and just tries to get a foot on it to get it away. So. Obviously, that is a like a panic, and it's his fault that he dealt with it, it like that. But I think the defense have something to answer for for giving him so few options to get himself out of it um, by kind of giving it to him in that situation in the first place. I want to add that he came across to us all after the game, put his hands up as an apology, and I think he got a lot of respect for that. Um, my worry about him is is slightly deeper than than that game. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna quote from Twitter Matthew Knights. Cheers for getting in touch. Butland is nowhere near as good a number two. I'm terrified of Guiter injury. Um, yeah, my worry is about his crossing. Um, he's got the worries that I used to have with Wayne Hennessy, where if a cross came in and Millwall had more crosses than we did, he doesn't seem to come out and command his box in the way that Vicente does. And, you know, I ignoring the, the goals against Southampton, because I, I, I'm not sure that Guaita would have saved him either. And that mistake, I, I think that there's there's other issues. And, and whether it's just lack of confidence at the moment or, or it's something else, I think there's, there's deeper issues with Butland. So I think that was the only point when the squads were announced that people were stressed, mm. really. Yeah, look, he's a, he was a very highly rated keeper at one point, obviously. You know, uh, making the England squad. Um, you know, was a fantastic prospect at Birmingham. But yeah, he's um, yeah, he, you know, he's a number two at the club for a reason. I think you know, and I don't want to be mean to the to the guy because I actually, you know, I I actually hold a lot of hope out that that he'll rediscover the kind of talent that he that he showed previously. But I agree with you, Mike. There is something up there, and you know, it's, it's interesting to hear hear you describe it that way, Cara, in terms of the the mistake and the kind of brain freeze it kind of puts me in the mind of what happens to me when I go to you know order some food at a, a takeaway or something like that and they ask me a question I haven't anticipated and I just stand there and stare at them um, that's basically what it felt like and um yeah uh, so I, I feel his pain there but yeah I, I I get that and you know he's not going to instill confidence and the life of a backup keeper is a bit like that you know some you, you see them every now and then and they either come in and have a blinder and people ask why they're not the number one or they come in and, uh, and and have you know an inauspicious kind of uh, performance, and people go, "That's why they're, that's why they're the backup only." So, um, you know, 
but um but i think you know other than the mistake he he performed you know as as required um although with a bit of uh, better finishing from from millwall it might have been a different story with a couple of chances they had in the second half should we say but you know it 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 you know ultimately it didn't it didn't matter in the end it was frustrating it was a mistake but we we moved on from it we showed resilience we changed things at half time and you know let's let's enjoy talking about the goal and um, it would have been nice to have seen it live wouldn't it Mike and Cara live at the ground see the old <laughs> right. release game right. live right. at the ground Mi- 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 yeah Mi- <laughs> bars yeah Mi- Mi- they didn't prep any beers of any kind so i actually left before the end of the half knowing that it was going to be a struggle only just got served before the second half started the guy behind me paid for it just because he couldn't wait any longer he said i'll buy you yours if you order mine um so we were just sculling a probably six months old cask of Carlsberg that tasted like absolute dog shit. Um, <laughs> when we heard when we heard away and people were like, oh god, is it two 0 We should stay here. And then and then it was no no hold on no we've scored. So it was kind of delayed reaction of everyone suddenly putting their hands up in the air in the concourse. Way and then everyone rushed upstairs and threw their pints in the bin. What, um, so what so, was yeah. brilliant about that though is that initial celebration is that everyone went to throw both of their hands up in the air, remembered how long they'd been waiting for the beer that was in their hand, and then very carefully just put one hand up in the air so that we didn't spill the pints <laughs> that we've waited an age to get. Amazing, amazing, and th- there was the reason I I retired from the the halftime drinking when I used to drink at games, which I very rarely do now because I'm a good boy. We, we need we needed it after that first half, and oh, most of us were yeah. thinking, "Well, let's not rush back if it's going to be the same." Yeah, no, I, I can't blame you. I really can't. You wouldn't have expected the Elise magic. But Nick, did you see the goal live at the game live? I did, and I, I just had yeah. to say we we did miss Chris Clark because normally he's the one that we send out on thirty five minutes to get the beers in, and he's normally yeah, pretty good at doesn't mind doing that. But he's yeah. he's away somewhere, isn't he? Um, yes, it was marvelous. Just that tiny little tweak that Vieira said um, he wasn't getting any joy playing infield so much, so he put him out towards the tuck slot. Excuse me, a bit more, and um, that made all the difference because um, he cut inside and he hit a. Perfect, perfect shot with his left foot. And um, we went absolutely do lally. And uh, for the first time ever in a away game, because it's so steep there, I went down two or three rows. It was absolute bedlam. <laughs> um, so I got I got the limbs and I've got bruised shins and everything from it now. And um, just to show how good it was, a tactical kind of change, at least they did it twice more before, you know, delivering the, the, the cross for Mateta later. So Millwall couldn't learn from it. And, uh, yeah, it was just straight in. What was it, 45 seconds after kickoff? Yeah, that it quick. was, yeah. Yeah, and it was um, it was just it was just a beautiful moment, you know. Watching it at home, and obviously I got to see what you wouldn't have known at the ground, which you may have seen subsequently, that in the build-up, Mateta was fractionally offside, which makes it even more amusing um, to, to have equalised. Um, with, with that situation, and like you say, he, he did it twice more, and then perfect cross onto Mateta's head, which we've already referenced already. But again, you've got to admire the talent and the technique from from Elise. But I know we've probably had some questions in on this as well. I've already forgotten if we did, but you know, we we have to look at Elise and and look at that ability, and it's it's a really tricky one about how you manage him. You know, he's obviously a, a fantastic player with with a tremendous amount of potential at 19 and um you know I'd, I'd be surprised if there's many people out there that don't see that and, and what a steal he is for a, for 8 million quid but you know there's no denying that when he starts matches generally speaking he struggles you know it takes him a very long time to get into games and in, in this particular case he was he was into a game in a second half where you know he had he was playing against a a team that gave him space. He was playing against a, a back line that in areas lacked pace and ability. Um, and he should have been able, you know, I'm not being too harsh. In, in Technically, he should have been able to do that, you know, throughout the course of the first half um, and, and shouldn't have needed that adjustment. He, you know, he, he should have really impacted the game earlier. And that's possibly where, you know, in terms of his development, He's just not quite there. And, and that's why he's able to have an impact off the bench against tiring teams, give him 20 minutes here and there. You know, and you wonder why the hell he doesn't start when he gets, you know, two goals and two assists in something like 70 minutes of actual football. 
and you think he's crying out to start, but it's probably not the best way to use him yet, but he's not far off. I disagree with you slightly there, Chris. I think he's playing the way he's told to play. Like I said, we were we were a lot narrower in that first half and Millwall yeah. flooded the midfield, completely flooded the midfield. What I love about Elise is, I can't describe how he does it, which is no good for a podcast, but the way he just seems to ghost past players, he's not tricks, there's no stepovers, and Eze is very similar as well. It's, he just seems to do it with such ease. He seems to bamboozle them. Does he look in their eyes or something and kind of <laughs> hypnotise them before ghosting past or what? Because he just makes it look so damn easy. It is him and him and Eze, they just seem to float. Like their legs are moving, but it's not like they're taking yeah. steps. They're just floating. It is the most incredible thing to watch. And especially in a game like that, when you're playing like Millwall, where you're, you know, you're going to get roughed up, you're going to get all of that stuff. And they just manage, like we said, and, and like Nick just said, as soon as there was the space there available for them to do their thing, they, they it's just incredible the way that they move. It is, it's, and it's great and it's exciting to then see that. I think going back to what you said, Chris, is that I think actually it's like, big kind of kudos to Patrick Vieira for how he has managed Elise so far because you know we've heard it for like week upon week upon week as soon as we saw him come on for 10 minutes like oh why isn't he starting why isn't he starting and I think that I think it'll be really interesting to see how he um, plays in the next match that he does start because it felt like he learned so much from that Millwall game and grew so much within the game just that little bit of kind of getting rid of some of that shyness at the beginning of games just you know getting a bit more resilience getting a bit more um, uh, I don't know just a bit more strength really I guess and a bit more kind of resolve when it gets when it gets a little bit more more difficult and there isn't that space ready so I think let's see how he then goes on and starts the next game that, that he starts for and and we'll see whether or not that development is 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 going the way that we all want it to go. And that, right, a question then from Darren Hayes. Um, and we'll say, as Hambo's alluded to, we've had a metric ton of comments, a lot on Elise. Thanks for all, we've read them all. Um, can't Just can't get them all in. Um, but he's asked, what would the front three be for Brighton uh, for each of you? So just three words, answers from each of you. Oh dear God, do I have to do it first? Um, uh, Edward's available, right? <laughs> so, Edward. Um, I think, you know, for, for me, if you're talking about a, a, the the front three, I, I, I've i got to say, keep Elise in there for the right because we haven't got IU. So, um, Edward probably left, even though I prefer him in the centre, and then Benteke. That's, that's, that's it for me. Yeah, uh, Edward seems to be doing uh, really well on the wing. Uh, but as we've said before, we prefer to be more central. Um, Elise has got to start out there again. I prefer to see Eze more centrally just behind um, the striker with perhaps Gallagher just a little bit deeper. That's how I'd play it. Mateta in the middle, if he's still here, of course. Guys, that was all way more than three-word answers. Um, but... <laughs> I'm going to go a bit different <laughs> and go, do you know what? I'd like to see us start. Oh, I'm so tempted to say start Elise, Mateta and Eze again. Not because I necessarily think that's our strongest three, but I think because it gives us somewhere to go throughout the game to bring on um, an equally as strong, if not stronger um, attack throughout the game and just give the, the, the defence no chance to kind of get a grip of of the game so yeah I'd be tempted to start as a Mateta and Elise again I'd like to think that Ed, Edward would uh, possibly go right through Dunk's legs um, he he can be quite vicious so I'd probably go with him um, yeah and then there's one other question for on Instagram from CPFC H213 what happens to IU if Elise keeps this up um, I'll answer that if you don't mind um, I, I really think that there's enough room for both players it's the fact that we've not had two players for one position for such a long time. It's, it's beautiful to see. Ayu really has been one of the best players in the last couple of months. I think he's unlucky to lose out to Hughes in the play of the month. So there's room for both of them for me. Yeah, I would, I would hope so. Yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's all a bit of a squad game. And it's good to see. I mean, we're going to have to use it. We'd have no no choice at the moment, and um, there's some good opportunities for players right now. Um, but it is a massive, massive game coming up on uh, on Friday. You know, and we've got to pick, we've got to pick the right lineup, and 
you know, we, we can't really be found wanting in, in any position. So, you know, let's take, you know, with the subject we're talking about in terms of Michael Elise, let's take him and say he starts that game against Brighton as he probably will. You know, he can't take, now whatever the reason, he can't take 45 minutes to, to get into the game. You know, we, we cannot, we're not going to get away with it as much as, you know, neither team I have a lot of, uh, lot of respect for or Brighton or a better team than Millwall. Uh, Mike, I know you've jumped in there and obviously I'll, I'd like to at some point finish the show with, uh, with one of the emails, sorry, one of the messages we've got on Facebook, but uh, you wanted to jump in there? Yeah, I was about to say the same. We're, we're running a bit long. I, I would I would say that if Elise plays and he's involved um, in any kind of move and we end up winning the game, this week will have probably made him a Palace legend on its own. Um, but I was going to end with the one question you put in the... Um, Putting the show doc is big question. We can't really avoid any longer because he's at Afcon. Is this the first realistically workable post Zahar Palace team? And before we answer that, I think we should just um, just Chris Clark, if you're listening, turn off now. Enjoy this conversation. Oh, it is a tough one, isn't it? Because I mean, I, I, you know, everyone. Listeners will know that you know I'm not. I, I hero worship with Zaha. I get very, very annoyed when people talk down about him. I think it's you know when people criticise him as a footballer um, uh, for for attitude. And I, I think it's a very, very rocky road because um, I think without the commitment and desire to win, and you know you you lose a lot of the player and all those kind of things that I said before. So I don't like to talk about a post Zaha situation, but absolutely yes, you know, it's the first time I've I've seen a team have enough to carry an, enough threat to accept that Zaha's not available and to be in with a really good opportunity to win the game. You know, when Zaha didn't feature for us under you know the the, the previous manager as an example, and, and I'm not looking for an excuse to. to reel that out and blame him but in those times with the players we had available then there just wasn't enough to worry teams it was so easy to shut us down you know we had nobody to take advantage of the fact that you know an opportunity was available to come in and play nobody carries the ball like he does no one produces the quality he does and we were just you know we were just a poor poor team without him you know we were relegation fodder without him we're not that now and um and that's that's you know a great place to be And we get silenced. Does that mean everybody agrees with me? I like it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think the answer is yes. And I think it's exciting. Not because I think Zaha's done or that he's not great, because he obviously is. Um, but I think we've run a really, really um, risky situation for the last however long of just relying on him and nobody wanting to quite kind of fess up to the reality of his age and you know what that means for seasons going forward so I think it's great that we've got this team that we can see as a post aha team but one that he's still got a, a really huge part in as well so it's best of both worlds as far as I'm concerned you'd be interested to see how he reacts when he comes back yeah you know yeah, yeah. he's pushed for his place that's never happened oh absolutely right never and there, there is a chance that he could be back in time for the fourth round against Hartlepool at home. But oh, yeah, bearing of course, in mind, yeah. yeah. If if uh, Ivory Coast don't go all the way, uh, he could be back. Uh, yeah, I think you wanted to end on some Afcon talk, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, go on, Cara. Yeah, if I that. could, I just yeah. uh, just I don't know if people have seen the Ian Wright um, video, um, just pointing out how we have a, a big issue in this country of always talking down about Afcon and you know talking about it as if it's a big problem and a nuisance and whatever. And obviously, we've had Patrick Vieira come out and been a leading voice on congratulating our players that have been selected for that competition um, for you know what is a, a great achievement and a great honour for them. Um, so uh, as Afcon does uh, kick off. Uh, tonight, I think it is with some of the first games tomorrow. So Ghana with Jordan Ayew's obviously first game to, uh, Monday. Um, then Wilf with Ivory Coast first game Wednesday. So I just think it would uh, be great if we just wish them the best of luck. And um, we obviously can't wait to have them back. But in the meantime, we hope they do brilliantly. Absolutely right. You know, I think it's a shame for the tournament that 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 it you know it happens in the time that it happens. But but it's just how it is. You know. <laughs> It has to. So um yeah, it's a shame that uh 
it doesn't get perhaps the attention it deserves. So I'll um, I'll certainly be trying to you know keep a, a close eye on all the Palace players and watch as much of it as I can. So I, I can't wait. A really good point. Thanks, Cara. So um, there are loads more questions coming. I feel I feel really really bad that we haven't got to all of them. Um, but we're trying to keep this as short as we could today. Um, there's some really good four-word reviews as well. Um, obviously, you can check out our social media accounts to look at all those. Uh, Ray in Houston, for example, contributing another uh, en français uh, version where he said, Garçon, c'est Millwall, c'est Millwall Suleiman. There you go. And uh, I'm not going to translate. You can translate yourselves. There you go. That's that's French for the C words, I think. Yeah, must be. Must yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, but thank you to everyone who, who responded to that as well. But I sort of want to finish with a combination of things. So we got a great message in from Jerry, long-time listener, uh, regular contributor as well. So hi, Jerry. Hope you're well, and, and thanks for writing in. He gave us a quick summary of the game, saying he thought that, uh, that it was a very first, very poor first half was played. Um, you know, and and we thought that in terms of the first half, Eze was the most productive and, and important player, a fantastic dribbler. But you know, talked about Butland um, being, uh, you know, not even sure if he's good enough to be a second keeper. But I thought it was really interesting. You know, he talked about the fact that the second half was great, and, um, and talked about Mateta taking his goal really well. But I think ending on the, this this comment, and I get grief for for suggesting this, so I'm happy to read that somebody else making this point because it, it leans into another another question that we had. And he said, I have concerns about our most loyal players. And he's talking about Ward specifically here. He says, Ward is approaching the end in terms of playing regularly and better teams will target Joel down our right, I fear. He's a model professional that is becoming too old. I love him, but would gladly attend any testimony on his honour. But obviously, Jerry very much indicating that that's an area that might give us an answer to uh, another question. And I, if I could have found the question quickly, that would have been a perfect link. But it's from Quillhype. 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 And I said, if you could bring in one player this window, who would it be? Because, of course, we are in the uh, January transfer window. You know, we are at this moment in time able to negotiate and sign football players. And um, it's weird to be in that position and not necessarily know what to do with it. So oh, give me an answer. Can you, can you pronounce that name again, please? Because that was rather amusing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Quillheim. No. You've been done by the French earlier, haven't you? You've got to read everything in French. Sometimes you start reading something that's two words that's all one word and you're unsure where the the division is. And that's what happened there, as you well know, Nick. So thank you very much. I mean, it could be. It could be Quilhi P.E., couldn't it? Quilhi P.E. Yeah. So let's let's not jump to conclusions. And um, (laughs) Sorry. Right in with your own pronunciations of that. Anyway, um, so my answer to if you could bring in one player this window, who would it be? Um, my answer to that is a decent right back. But um, but if I could, I need to name one, don't I? Uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka back. There you go. Uh, I'm hey. panicking. I'm panicking to some degree there because I probably want to think about that a bit more. Max Aaron's from Norwich. There you go, right back. Either of those I'll be fine with. Um, so anybody else want to take a punt at that? I'll leave it open. Shout. I'm not sure about these Eddie and Katia rumours, that's for sure. Seems a weird one, doesn't it? You'd expect, obviously, that would be that the rumours would be correct that Mateta would go back um, or, and go elsewhere if that was the case because you, you just feel that Nketiah's position uh, at Arsenal is no contract because I'm not playing. Um, uh, not playing enough, so why would he then come to, to Palace without... You know, because he'd be up against Benteke, he'd be up against Zaha, who's played centrally sometimes, he'd be up against Edward, uh, and and then Mateta as well, who's been featuring. And arguably, he's, you know, well, he hasn't proved himself a better player than anyone, to be honest. So, you know, we clearly like him as a footballer, but it just seems uh, seems a weird one to me. But if, if we that's the direction we go, that's the direction we go. Uh, Nick, Cara, any thoughts on a, on a player you lovely bring into this squad I'm quite happy with what we got for the first time in a long time you're right about the the, the ward position you know but that I think that's looking towards the end of the season and maybe somebody to to cover for backup but we've got under 23s that seem to be doing all right uh hopefully Vieira will bring some of those through uh we need to look for a replacement for Gallagher if he does go or when he does go um so those are the positions I'd be looking at yeah I agree I think this summer 
transfers are going to be the big ones for us um, rather than particularly needing to do anything in January. But I think maybe as a humanitarian project, we should um, just check in with Kieran Trippier and see if he's all right after having just moved to Newcastle <laughs> and been knocked out by Cambridge. Yeah, uh, hell, of a, hell of a debut. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm not enjoying the... Um the circus at Newcastle really but anyway I think it is time sadly to end the show it was great to be back um I have to say been a long while obviously took a long break over Christmas and um yeah uh, but it's, it's always worth doing to kind of refresh everything and uh, a lot of football got played in that time some good performances some not so good performances but great to be back so thank you uh, for listening to the show and thanks in particular to everybody who got in touch um as Mike mentioned earlier, we do, of course, read them all. But, you know, um, those that we don't use, everything gets used to to create the show. So don't, don't worry about that. It's all well received. Uh, the preview team will, of course, be with you in midweek to look ahead to the televised trip to the team on the South Coast. Friday, there's a, I forget, I forget the exact name of that, but uh, for, for, I do, yeah, just don't remember the names. And I don't the, mean... The I don't Brighton remember. Brawlers, I believe they're called. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Brighton Brawlers, that's it, yeah. Um, but anyway, so as ever, there's plenty more content for you across all of our social accounts and a wealth of live and recorded shows for you over on YouTube as well. The good work being done on there is well worth checking in. So, um, yeah, get involved, like, subscribe in all those relevant places. Thank you to Mike, Nick and Cara. And until next time, come on you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van, unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.